pastor had been on a flight, long flight, uh, from one city to another. And the first warning of the approaching uh, problems came when the sign on the airplane flashed on. Maybe you've seen this sign before, but the sign came out and said, fasten your seatbelts. Now, when you're in the middle of a flight and the sign comes on that says, fasten your seatbelts, you know something is going on. Something's about to happen. Well, after a while, a, a very calm voice came over the intercom and said, uh, we will not be serving beverages at this time as we are expecting a little turbulence. Please be sure your seatbelt is fastened. So now that's two warnings about the seatbelt and one warning about turbulence. As he looked around the aircraft, it became obvious that many of the passengers were becoming a little uncomfortable with what's going on. Later, the voice of the announcer said, We are so sorry, but we are unable to serve the meal on this flight because the turbulence is still ahead of us. And then the storm broke. The ominous sounds of thunder could be heard even above the roar of the engines. Lightning lit up the darkening skies, and within moments the great plane was like a cork tossed about on the celestial ocean. One moment the airplane was lifted high on currents of air, and the next it dropped as if it were going to crash. Have you ever, how many of you have ever been on a flight with lots of turbulence? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the pastor conf confessed that he shared the discomfort and the fear of those around him. He said, as I looked around the plane, I could see that nearly all of the passengers were upset and alarmed. Some were even praying. The future seemed ominous, and many were wondering if they were going to make it to their destination. And then he says, suddenly I saw a little girl. I saw a little girl, and apparently the storm meant nothing to her. She was reading. Uh, she had tucked her feet beneath her on her seat, and she was reading a book, and everything within her small world was calm and orderly. Sometimes she closed her eyes, and then she would start to read again. Then she would straighten out her legs, and worry and fear were not in her world. She was not afraid at all. When the plane was being buffeted by the terrible storm and it lurched this way and lurched that way, as it rose and fell with frightening severity and all of the adults on board were, were terrified, that marvelous little child was completely composed and calm and unafraid. The minister could hardly believe his eyes. It was not surprising, therefore, that when the plane finally reached its destination and all the passengers were hurrying to disembark, our pastor lingered to speak to the girl whom he had seen on the plane. Having com commented about the storm and the behavior of the plane, he asked, her, he asked her why she wasn't afraid. And this is what she said. She said, it's because my daddy is the pilot and he is taking me home. My daddy is the pilot and he is taking me home. This morning we are talking about worry. We're talking about the worries of life. And let's face it, in this life, there's a lot of stuff to worry about. You watch the news, and you'll find reasons to be worried. ISIS. I mean, this is, I'm freaked out. I'll be honest. I am freaked out about ISIS and about the, what's going on in the Middle East, in Syria, and Iraq, and what's even the threat that it poses to us here in America. You watch the news, and it's hard not to get worried. It's hard not to be freaked out. The violence on the news all around us, I mean literally all around us, the violence that we see, um, 
homes being broken into, people being stabbed and shot, drive-bys. It's, it's all around us. And it's scary. It's, it, it makes you worried. We send our kids to school each day. And we think, are they going to make it home tonight? Identity theft. If I see another story on the news about the place I just went and swiped my card and how they got hacked by Russian hackers once again, I'm going to lose my mind. I got to change my password again. I've got like 72 passwords and I have no idea what logs me into anything anymore. Well, let's try this one. Uh, sorry, that password does not work. Mm. Sorry, that password does not work. Mm. This is your last attempt. The police are going to show up at your place any moment now and arrest you for trying to break into Sean's account. What is going on? So there's there's that. There's We worry about the safety of our kids, school shootings and things like that. The daily needs of our life, just trying to make it from, from one, way, one day to the next. We worry a lot, don't we? We're people who we worry. You know, when you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're trying to make ends meet. It's hard. And you worry about, you know, am I going to be able to go grocery shopping this week? Am I going to be able to put gas in my car this week? It's hard. And, and adults, we're not the only ones that have worries. Our kids have worries. Teenagers have worries. Right? Kids? Teens? Am I lying? Completely free from worry? Yeah, whatever. No, seriously, our kids and our teenagers are worried. They worry about fitting in at school. They worry about their grades and trying to please their parents. Believe it or not, they actually do. You're like, yeah, right. No, our kids worry about their grades. They worry about being bullied and being made fun of. And and they worry about bullying at school. Our kids are afraid. Our teenagers are afraid. College kids are afraid. We all worry about something. Everybody's got a worry on their mind. And I tell you what, it, it leaves you restless and sleepless at night. And you just wonder, is everything going to be okay? Is everything going to be okay? You know, how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to protect my family? Am I going to have enough money for retirement? Am I even going to be able to retire at all? Or am I going to work for the rest of my life until the day I die? What if I got sick? What if I got really, really sick and I couldn't work anymore? What if I died? What's going to happen to my family then? What's going to happen to the people I love if something were to happen to me? Is everything going to be okay? There are worries of life, and these are the worries that we face each day. And they're very real, right? I'm not making it up. These are the things we worry about. And we are worried, are we not? Well, there are two things that we can do. You've got two options. We can either worry about all this stuff and, and lose sleep and lose our health and be stressed out all the time. We can worry about all this stuff or we can believe. We can have faith. That's the other option. We can either worry or we can have faith. And I believe that, that it's, it's one of those two things, that you can't have a heart full of worry and a heart full of faith. It's one or the other because it has to be 100%. Either I'm fully worried or I'm fully trusting. But there's no room for, for, uh, for one or the other, uh, for, for both. There's no room for both. It's either one or the other. Today we're going to look and see what Jesus said about faith and worry. We're going to look at a passage in the book of Luke. And if you'll grab your Bible, and if you, can't, if you didn't bring one, I encourage you to bring your Bibles. If you need a Bible, let me know. We'll, we'll, we'll work on getting you a Bible. Um, but it, you can grab one out of the pew in front of you. Um, and turn to Luke 12. 
22 through 34. We're in the New Testament in the book of Luke, Luke chapter, uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. So grab your Bible. Also grab your bulletin, and on page 3 you'll find the handy-dandy outline. You can fill in some blanks and, and follow along as we go uh, and talk a little bit about uh, how worry is not for the birds. And you'll see what that means in just a second. We're going to read in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The first blank on your outline is a heart full of worry. A heart full of worry. The first thing we can, we can either have a heart full of worry or a heart full of faith. And the first option is to have a heart full of worry. In the passage before this one, Jesus told the story of a rich man. And this rich man was hoarding his wealth. And he had no idea. He had so much, uh, so much money and, and so much uh, in the way of crops and agriculture, he didn't know what he was going to do. And then an idea struck, inspiration struck, and he said, I'm going to build me some barns, and I'm going to build lots of barns, and I'm going to build even bigger barns than I've already got now, and I'm going to store up all of this stuff for myself, all right? I'm going to build me some storage units, and I'm going to fill it with all my stuff. So that's what he says he's going to do, and so he sets about doing that, and then uh, Jesus says that God said to him, you fool, and he demanded his life from him. He, uh, he says, God told him that he should have been generous, he should have given it away, but instead he was hoarding it all for himself. And in light of that story, um, when he died, his things did not go with him. And in light of that story, Jesus tells this part of the, the passage, this part of his sermon about not worrying. Because the problem with the rich man in the parable before this is that he was focused on worldly things. He was focused on the things of this earth, the things of this life, the things of this world, having more and getting more and hoarding more. All right. He wanted and wanted and wanted, and he kept and he kept and he kept when he re in reality, he should have been generous. Instead of focusing on his possessions and on his money and on his wealth, he should have been focusing on how he could give it away. And we can be that way, too, right? And we can be that way when it comes to uh, hoarding wealth and, and hoarding stuff and, and keeping things for ourselves. We can be that way when we focus on earthly things. And that's the next blank on your outline. A heart full of worry is a heart that is focused on earthly things. A heart full of worry is focused on earthly things. 
Jesus gives two examples of things that we can worry about. The things that we all do from time to time worry about. These two things that we worry about. The first is food. He says, why do you worry about food? The second thing that we can worry about is clothing. And, and when it comes down to it, these are, these are two things that we need, right? We, we need food in order to eat and, and to have energy and to go to work and to raise our kids and do things like that. We need food and we need clothes. We need clothes, all right? Just, yes, we need clothes. Um, so it's, it's a good thing. Um, but th- he gives two examples of, uh, two illustrations about food and clothing. The first is the birds of the air. And he talks about ravens, which is interesting because in Jesus' day, the people to whom he was talking would have been offended by this because ravens were unclean birds. What do ravens eat? They eat dead animals. That's disgusting, right? That's what Jesus, the people listening to him would have been like, that's disgusting. But Jesus says that God takes care of the ravens. He feeds the ravens. He provides the dead animals for the ravens to eat. And so God provides for the ravens as insignificant as they are, as unimportant as they are. The birds of the air are just birds. They're everywhere, right? There's billions of them all over the planet. And, And yet God knows right where they are, and he takes care of every single one of them. He feeds them all. And Jesus' point is, how much more important are you than birds? And by the way, you're much more important than birds. Even the pretty ones. You're much more important than birds. Because, you know how I know you're more important than birds? Because Jesus didn't die for birds. Jesus died for you. And Jesus died for you, and for you, and for you, and y'all on the balcony. Jesus died for people. Because he loves us. Because he wants to spend eternity with us. Jesus died for us so that we could go to heaven so that we could have love and joy and peace in our lives here on earth we'll talk about that in just a second the birds of the air are important enough to god that he feeds them you are much more important than birds he is going to feed and take care of you so what he's saying the birds they don't worry about their next meal they don't know where that they don't know worry about where that's going to come from they can't plant seeds they can't store food in barns But they are taken care of and fed by God. God provides food for the birds of the air. And Jesus is so wise because he says, you can't even add a single hour to your life by worrying. And he's right, right? You can't add an hour to your life. In fact, when we get worried, when we are full of worry and full of fear, we stress ourselves out, we tax our hearts, we actually shorten our lifespans by worrying. One of my favorite quotes, I've told you this a thousand times. And I'm going to tell it to you again. Uh, A man named John Powers said that uh, worrying is a lot like banging your head against the wall. It only feels better when you stop. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Worrying is a a lot like banging your head against the wall. It only feels better when you stop. Stop worrying, Jesus says. Don't worry because God will take care of you. Put your faith and trust in him. If God can feed the ravens, if he can feed the birds of the air, He can feed you and provide for your basic needs. And then Jesus goes on to talk about clothing. He talks about clothes, and he compares the beauty of lilies with the the splendor of Solomon. Solomon was the richest king in all of Israel, and he would have had lavish clothing, lots and lots of lavish clothing, highest uh, highest brand names uh, from the garment district. He would have been decked out. He would have been styling and profiling. You know what I mean. So he would have looked really, really good. 
And yet, Jesus says that not even Solomon, dressed in all of his finest clothing, would have been as beautiful and, and splendorously dressed like the lilies of the field. You know, my, one of my favorite times of the year is Easter. And when you walk into a store where they're selling lilies, you know, you walk in and that, that scent of the lily hits you. And the, the beautiful white lily with the, with the yellow part in the middle. I can't remember if that's the pistil or the stamen, but it's one of the two. I took science. Um, and uh, so it's, it's just a beautiful flower. In fact, it's on, your, uh, on the cover of your bulletin today. Uh, the lilies of the field are just beautiful flowers. And, and Solomon, the richest king in the history of Israel, was not even dressed or arrayed uh, as beautifully as the flowers. And yet flowers, what do they do? They die. They last for about a week. You know, and, and then if you cut them and put them, in fl- and put them in water, they don't even last that long. Right? If you don't take care of them, they don't even last that long. But we're not going to talk about my lack of a green thumb. Um, God provides beauty for the fields. And as he provides beauty for the fields, he can clothe us as well. Jesus said that our Heavenly Father knows what we need. He knows what you need, and he does not turn a blind eye to our needs. He knows that we need food. He knows that we need clothing. God knows that we need the basics. So how do we keep from worrying about them? And the answer is faith. The answer is faith. The next blank on your outline is a heart full of faith, a heart full of faith. And let me tell you what, I'm going to be real honest with you. Faith is tough. Faith is hard. It's not easy. Uh, The Bible says in the book of Hebrews uh, that that faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Uh, It's it's what we hope for. It's it's belief in the unseen. It's it's, It's believing without seeing. And that's hard. It's hard to trust in something you can't see. It's hard to believe in someone you can't see. Am I lying? No. It's hard. Faith is difficult. Faith can be hard. But faith can help us overcome worry. Faith can help us overcome worry. It's, the question is, what is your focus on? Is it on your worries? Is it on your fears? Are you focused on earthly things or are you focused on heavenly things? That's the next blank on your outline. A heart full of faith is focused on heavenly things. Jesus said to focus on the kingdom of God, to seek the kingdom of God. The one who knows all of our needs can provide for them if we will trust him. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. It's very similar to what he says here in Luke 12. And uh, he says in Matthew 6 to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's talk about those two things for just a second. What is the kingdom of God? It is the rule and reign of God in our lives and in our world. And when we seek that first and foremost, when we seek the rule and the reign of God first and foremost, that means that God is the king of our hearts. God wants to be the king of our hearts. It means that we are working to bring about the rule and reign of God in the hearts of others and in our own. Well, how does that happen? How does God become the king of my heart? How does God become the king of your heart? It's by grace. Through faith in Jesus Christ, that when you give your life to Jesus, when you give your heart to Jesus by God's gift of grace and you get baptized, when you put your belief in him, you believe in him, you repent from sin, you confess your faith and you get baptized, that God washes away your sin. You know, one of the reasons that Jesus died on the cross was to bring us forgiveness and salvation, to bring forgiveness and salvation to all people. And when we accept his gift of of salvation, we accept his offer of salvation, we are set free. 
and, and we become followers of Jesus. And then our job is to help other people become followers of Jesus. That's what the Great Commission is all about. Matthew chapter 28, um, that uh, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Basically, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're supposed to be helping other people follow Jesus. You're going to hear this phrase a lot over the next couple of weeks, helping people follow Jesus. I'm going to preach a sermon on it next week, and I'm going to share with you some new stuff about our vision and our mission and how that's going to change, and that starts next week. Helping people follow Jesus is what we're going to be, is, is what we're all about, is to help people follow Jesus. We want to help people find joy in their lives. We want to help people find hope. We want to help them find the love of God. We want to help them find peace and salvation and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And it happens by God's grace through faith in Jesus. And when God fills our hearts with faith, we don't have to worry about the things of this world. And when we are filled with faith, we don't have to worry about the food. We don't have to worry about the clothing. But rather, we can focus on the things of heaven. We can focus on the things of God's kingdom rather than the things that we, that we need. Because we know that God is going to provide. That God will provide for our needs. When we focus on the things of heaven, God will provide the things of earth, the things that we need. The problem is, the problem we run into, we don't know the difference between needs and wants. I don't know the difference between needs and wants. I'll be honest, okay? Uh, let's, uh, for example, okay, uh, we need a car to get to work. How many of you need a car to get to work? You pretty, much, pretty much everybody needs a car to get to work. Now, the problem is, is that we want a Lexus to get to work. We don't want a Hyundai. But all we need is a Hyundai. I drive a Hyundai. I like my Hyundai very much when it works. I like my Hyundai, but I want a Lexus, or I want a Cadillac, or I want a uh, Acura, or a, a Mercedes. Yeah, like an $80,000. No, I don't need an $80,000 Mercedes to get to work. I, I work three minutes. I live three minutes away from here. I could walk it if my leg wasn't hurt. I hurt my leg. So pray for my leg. I'm going to see an orthopedic doctor this week. But So I could walk, but I can drive in my Hyundai three minutes to get to work. I don't need a Lexus to get to work. But it's a problem is that we don't understand the difference between needs and wants. We need clothes, right? We talked about that earlier. We, everybody needs clothes, right? We're not like two months old and we can run around in a diaper. That would be bad. We need clothes to wear. The problem is, is that when we need clothes, we think, well, I, I, need, um, well I, I, need, I need Calvin Klein jeans. Or I need Abercrombie shirts. Or I need Hollister clothes. I need these things. No, you don't. You want those things. I want those things. But I should be content with Target jeans and clothes. I'll tell you a sad story about a friend of mine. A little boy was at school. And uh, his family couldn't afford the latest, greatest, fashionable clothing. And his friends came up to him. Put a finger in his chest and says, you've been targeted. In other words, you wear clothing from Target and therefore you're a nerd. You've been targeted. How terrible is that? They sell some pretty, well, to a 40-year-old guy, they sell some pretty cool clothes at Target. But see, we don't want that. We want what we want, not what we need. Um, we, uh, we need food to eat, right? Everybody needs food. we got to have food. We need food to eat for dinner. Amen. That's right. <laughs> It's just now 11.57. I'm, I'm wrapping it up in a minute. You can go eat in a little while. 
But see, the problem is we need food to eat for dinner, but we don't want the food we got. We want Olive Garden. We want McDonald's. We want uh, we want meatheads, the brand new burger place that opened up. If you haven't had tried meatheads yet, you got to try meatheads. Mm-mm, good. That's right. This this morning's sermon brought to you by meatheads at the corner of Main Street and 41. No. We want meatheads. We want Olive Garden. We want McDonald's. We want Taco Bell. No, we don't want Taco Bell. Um, but... Uh, what we don't want is we don't want the leftovers that are in the fridge. We don't want the food that's in the pantry. How many of you ever walked into the pantry, uh, if you have a pantry, or walked into where you keep your groceries, looked around going, I got nothing to eat. I don't want to eat that. 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 And then we go to the fridge, open up the door. I got nothing to eat. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to eat that. Open the freezer. I don't want to eat any of that. I'm going to order a pizza. Right? Do we need to order the pizza? No, we got houses full of food. We have. I woke up this morning, I went to this electronic device in my kitchen that keeps food cold and fresh. And I looked inside and I, I pulled food out of it and I made food on my amazing gas device that cooks food. We live in an amazing time and we have so much food and so much stuff, but we don't want that. We don't know the difference between want and need. I don't want what I have, I want what's out there. We have an entire industry in our country that is designed to make you dissatisfied, to make you discontent. It's called advertising. Advertising, the sole purpose of advertising is to make you look at your life, to make you look at your stuff and go, I hate this stuff. I hate all of it. I don't want any of it. I want what's on the tube. Well, well, it used to be a tube, but now it's more of a screen. I want what's on the screen. And we're bombarded by advertising, are we not? In magazines, on television, on our tablets, on our phones, everywhere we look, at the movies. They have commercials before movies. Why am I paying $11 to sit through a commercial at the movies? Am I the only one (laughs) that's bothered by that? You're just impressed I have $11 to go to the movies. um, $11. Um, and that's not even in 3D. Anyway, um, I, this entire industry designed to make us not want the things we have and to want the other stuff. We're convinced. We're conv- if we have the newer and the nicer, the bigger and the better, we will be happier. How many of you are happier? Thank you, Brandon. We're not happier with the stuff. Because what happens when we go out and get more stuff? Then we got to protect it. Right? get a big screen TV, put the box out in the street and you're recycling, and you kind of get this little moment of fear of what if somebody drives by and sees that I have a new 46-inch TV in my house. Well, I better get in a, I got to get a security system to protect my 46-inch TV, right? And we get, we get worried and we get, we get afraid. Someone's going to break into my house and take my stuff. So I got to get something to protect my stuff. Someone's, I got to get an alarm system on my car because somebody's, they're, they're, they're not even optional anymore. It's just boop, boop. Every, everybody's got a boop, pooper. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm serious. I, everyone's got one now because someone's going to break in and take the stuff out of my car or worse, they're going to take my car. We're terrified and we're worried about all of this stuff. And it's just stuff. It's all it is. But we're convinced that we need more of it. And we've got to have the bigger and the better and the nicer and the newer. We've got to have all this stuff. And it's not true. 
Jesus said, what good does it gain? What good does it do you to gain the entire world, to get everything, to get all the stuff, but lose your soul? What good is it? Because your soul's the only thing that's going to last forever. Your soul's the only thing you're going to take with you when you die. All right, you can't be like the rich guy who said, really, really rich, mega rich guy, says to his wife, honey, when I die, I want you to take all my money and I want you to put it in the casket with me and bury me with it. And she's freaking out going, what, what, what? I didn't marry you for your looks. What am I going to do? She hatched a plan. Sadly, the man passes away. She goes to bury him, puts him in the casket. And just as they're about to lower it, she says, I got to do one thing. She writes out a check for $25 million and drops it in the casket. Okay. <laughs> Hard to cash it. <laughs> Your soul is the only thing that is going to last forever. Don't lose it for the latest gadget or the latest fashion or the latest fad. And I will be honest, I am just as guilty. All right? Because I don't understand the difference between wants and needs half the time. Uh, we're all in the same boat. And we worry about stuff that we don't that we shouldn't be worried about. We need a heart filled with faith and a heart not filled with fear. A heart filled with trust and a heart that's not filled with worry. So what's the cure? Yeah, I believe there is a cure. Well, the next blank on your outline is the cure for worry is to focus on kingdom things. Is to focus on kingdom things. When we will focus on the things of God's kingdom, God will provide all that we need. God will provide all that we need. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians about generosity. This is what he said. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. We need to be generous people. We need to be generous. That is the cure for worry, is generosity. And the next blank on your outline is to be generous toward others. To be generous toward others. God gives us all that we need so that we can be generous to other people. Jesus says in this passage that we looked at today in Luke 12, to sell your possessions and give the money to the poor. You know, the early church in the book of Acts was so generous. They were so very generous that they would take stuff. If they had land, extra land, that they, I don't need this land, they would sell it. And then they'd bring the money to the apostles and the apostles would distribute it among the needy. They would give it to those who were wealthy, uh, who, were, who were not wealthy. They would, take, they would take what was given to them and they would disperse it among those who had need. They were generous. We've lost that. We've lost it in our world. We've lost that in the church, uh, all over uh, our country. We're not generous. We need to reclaim that. We need to reclaim that generosity. They sold what they had to make sure that if anyone was in need, that they wouldn't be in need anymore. They didn't hold on so tightly to things that they, that they couldn't help someone else. And as they looked around and saw other people in need, they sold what they had so that they, they could make sure that others were not going without. My, my first challenge for you today, I have two challenges for you. The first challenge is to look around and see what you've got that you can part with in order to make sure somebody else uh, isn't going without. If you, if you know somebody who needs food or needs clothing, what can you do to help them out? Ask yourself, do I have things or do things have me? You know, we did a study on, on uh, a, a book called Not a Fan. And in the book, Kyle Eidelman, the author, uh, says about the rich young ruler who came and met with Jesus, who said, um, 
you know, I, I've kept all the commandments. What do I still lack? Jesus said, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and then come follow me. And it says the rich man went away very sad. The reason he was sad was because his things had him. He didn't have money. His money had him. And so are you, is money, uh, does money have you? Do your things have you? Are they holding on to you so tightly that you can't part with them to give somebody else something that they need? I mean, is, are there things that you could sell on eBay or Craigslist or you could have a garage sale and maybe buy a few bags of groceries for a young family who needs food? Or maybe you could buy a gift card to, like, to Target so that their kids can be targeted with the clothing that they have to wear? I'm kidding. But in all seriousness, do you have things that you could get rid of in order to bless other people with generosity? Because that's what we're called to do. That's what Jesus said to do. Do you have, I mean, can you, if, if there's a family you know that is struggling to make ends meet, uh, can, you, can you help pay their NIPSCO bill for them? You know, and, and part of this, part of the thing is, is that if you have a need, you've got to make that need known. You need to call me up. You need, and it's a pride-swallowing thing. It's a humbling thing to say, you know, I need some assistance. I need some help. And, and I'll tell you what, we have a process here that we help people. But one of the steps in that process is to meet with the elders and talk about what's going on. And, and we have elders who are very good at budgeting, and they will help you set a budget for your life so that you, that you can live by, so that you can have food and, and clothing, and you can pay your NIPSCO bill and, and things like that. But if you're struggling to make ends meet, come talk to me or, or talk to the elders. We got people who can help you with these things. You know, maybe, maybe you don't have stuff you can sell, maybe, but maybe you have a pantry full of food and you can make some meals for a young family that's struggling to make ends meet. You say, you know what, I'm a pretty good cook. Or I can at least go to KFC if you're not a good cook. If you're not a good cook, don't make food for people, okay? Go to KFC, buy a bucket of chicken and... and and bless somebody with it. The final blank on your outline this morning is be generous toward God. When we focus on kingdom things, we understand the importance of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. It takes money to do what we do as a church. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, great. I can, the one Sunday I come to church, they're talking about money. Well, we rarely talk about money here. We, we really don't talk about it very often. But I do want to talk about being generous today for just a minute. You know, the church has bills. We, have, we get a NIPSCO bill. We get three of them, actually. We get three NIPSCO bills, two for the, uh, one for the office, one for the apartment, and one for this building. We have NIPSCO bills that come in every month. We have phone bills and Internet bills. We have expenses, um, and uh, we have a, a vision that we want to follow. And, and I tell you what, our leaders are very good at discerning between wants and needs. They don't just throw money around like, the, like it's no big deal. They take stewardship very seriously. But the fact is it takes the generosity of our members uh, in order to pay our expenses. And, you know, when we pay our bills and when we are able to do things that God calls us to do, we can fulfill our vision of making more and better disciples. Our leaders use our funds to help people when they are in need and when they have needs. We use our tithes and offerings to support missionaries, both here in this area and all around the world. We invest our offerings in curriculum and in staff in order to teach and to preach the gospel. And when you give an offering, you're not giving it to the elders. You're not giving it to the preacher. You're not even giving it to the church. You're giving it back to the one who gave it to you in the first place. So my second challenge for you this morning is to consider your giving. How are you giving when it comes to your offerings? Is it an act of faith? Is it an act of trust? Are you giving cheerfully with a joyful heart? 
are you reluctantly giving from your leftovers? Or is it the first fruits? Is it the very best of your offerings that you can give to God? How are you being generous toward God? And how are you being generous toward other people? The cure for worry is not in hoarding and it's not in saving. It's not going to, stories told of Rockefeller. And they asked him, how much money is enough? And he said, the next dollar. The cure is not to have more. The cure is not to hoard it. The cure is not to save it. The cure for worry and the cure uh, for fear is faith and trust through this long journey of life. So who are you trusting this morning? Are you trusting yourself? Are you trusting in your job? Are you trusting in your possessions? Are you trusting in yourself? Are, Are you trusting in your pilot who's taking you home? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can trust you, that we can believe you, we can believe your promises and your word, and I pray that you would help us to trust you in all things, to know that you are taking us home, and that you will get us home safe and sound, and that we can believe you, and we can trust you to provide for our needs. I pray for my brothers and sisters today who are struggling, and and we struggle in many ways, God, with fear and worry, and I pray that you would help us to trust you in all these things. Help us to be generous, and and as you have been generous to us, because you have been very generous to us. You have blessed us in many ways. And so I pray that we would take the blessings that you have given to us and that we would bless others with them. Thank you again for your word and for your son, Jesus, who died to give us new life. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.